so many great people in the room that don't come every week. So welcome, everybody, especially my parents and all over there. <laughs> and I don't even think they need to hear the, these generosity messages because they happen to be some of the most generous people I know. Um, so hopefully you'll still get something from today, but just to honor you in that, you really are such a generous family, actually, all of you. And I'm so grateful that that generosity legacy is now part of my family and hopefully for our future children as well. So in case you haven't picked up, we are in the middle of a series called The Generosity Gospel, and we're in week three. So in week one, Dave introduced the series, and he talked about how all of us are part of the story of God. And some of the ways we understand our life is actually by understanding it through story. And there's nobody in this room and actually nobody in this earth that isn't part of God's story. And his story is of radical generosity. So as we come into greater awareness of him as generous to us, that, that expression of generosity becomes more and more normal for us as well. And Dave explained to us that to come into that place of generosity, sometimes we have to leave some stuff behind. And some of those things are comfort and comparison and consumerism. Who can remember the fourth one? Convenience. There we go. So we have to look, we have to let go of some of these things if we want to step into that lifestyle of generosity. And then last week, Taryn took us on um, the next step. He said, I'm going to call you into a space of generosity by looking at the life of Abraham. And he spoke about Abraham's magnanimous heart and how his generous way of living actually, um, he, he sort of demonstrated that it's so much more blessed to give than to receive. And that that blessing falls on you, but it actually falls on future generations as well. That as we learn how to be generous, that's a legacy that we get to leave to our children and to the generations to come. So today we're going to apply this generosity gospel to a particular area of our lives, and that is to relationships. And we're going to talk about how this really matters to God. And then we're going to go through some of the practicals of how we do this by looking at the model of Jesus. And those of us that God, know God well know that, that the story of radical generosity is so important to his heart. But the reason for this is because he actually lives the story of, of radical generosity in the Trinity. So there's the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and they have actually been living in the space of relational harmony since before time began. This is their normal, and this is the normal that they bring us into. Timothy Keller describes it like this, no person in the Trinity insists that the others revolve around him. Rather, each of them voluntarily circles and orbits around the others. Isn't that a beautiful image? And we know from John 17 that this is not just for them. Jesus prayed, let them be one as we are one. So he pulls us into that as well. And he actually asks us, will you do this too? Will you orbit, not re require people to orbit around you, but voluntarily orbit around them? And to be honest, there's part of that that makes me feel really uncomfortable. It's so countercultural, actually, that it feels uncomfortable to say it. And I'm an introvert, so I understand that we need time. I'm really all about boundaries, and somehow all of this fits into it, but we cannot get away from the fact that what the Lord is calling us into is radical generosity in relationships. Matthew 22 says, The heart of the gospel, the greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. 
And then in Philippians 2, 3, Paul says to us, count others uh, more important than yourself. So this is the message that gets preached to us over and over again. And the crazy thing about it is when we start to do this, we actually start to test this out. We realize it's not a place of losing anything. It actually becomes a place of gain. It really is more blessed to give than to receive, but we only understand that when we start testing it. When I'm trying to find sort of a greater revelation on a principle in the Bible, I often pray and ask God, when I don't have that feeling yet, you know, sometimes we know something by principle, but then sometimes we actually have a real revelation of it. We can feel it, and then it becomes natural. So sometimes when I'm reading, I think, God, what if, if I had the highest revelation of this possible, of this, this thing of generosity, how would I behave? And as I was praying about this, that this week, I was drawn to Acts 2.2, where um, we see probably one of the most radical encounters or corporate encounters with the Holy Spirit that's recorded in the Bible. And it talks about tongues of fire landing on everyone and a rushing wind coming. I know many of us would have read this many times. And, and the result of that, after that, that crazy encounter, and encounters with God, they change us. So sometimes it looks strange in our meetings because we, we're interacting with the spirit realm. And when we interact with the spirit realm, it's, it's different from our physical realm. And sometimes that does look like, um, you know, something different. But what it really does is it gives us clarity in our heart. We start to see things differently. It reveals something to us. And the outworking of that was later on in Acts, it says that these people devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe that the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Well, that's probably the most radical picture of generosity um, that I've ever read. Could someone close that window a little bit more? Sorry. And so what that tells me is that if I had that, that very high revelation, the higher the, our revelation of who God is, the more we interact with the Spirit and let it transform us, the more that it just becomes so radically natural to give that away in every area of our life, but specifically in our relationships. We know how loved we are so we can love others freely. There's a space in our lives where Going beyond convenience and comfort in relationships is actually an act of worship to God. This is an act of worship to Him. Hebrews 13, 15 speaks of the sacrifices that please God, and it speaks of the sacrifice of praise that comes from our lips, and then it speaks of the sacrifice of fellowship. That fellowship, the space of being together and going beyond convenience for each other, is actually something God considers worship. The message says it like this, God takes particular pleasure in acts of worship, a different kind of sacrifice, sacrifice that takes place in the kitchen and the workplace and the streets. This is our sacrifice of making time for each other, of putting someone else above ourselves, of making room in our schedule to be together, to stop for somebody, to have that conversation, to be the friend that we wish people could be to us. And I know we have some visitors here today, but I felt that God wanted to specifically speak into our Signal community. 
Now, this revelation is important for all of us because God really wants us to live in his highest good in relationships. He wants all of us to experience that. But I really felt that specifically for us corporately, there's a space that the Lord wants us to invite us into where we really understand the (laughs) reciprocity. (laughs) Anyway, you know what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Of the space where we offer up worship as a sacrifice because we're prioritizing that very thing. That Jesus, when he boiled down the gospel to one thing, it was love one another. So when we prioritize what is most important to him, we actually create a landing pad for the Holy Spirit to come. And in that space, we start to see the supernatural manifest. So we start to see healings happen. We start to hear the voice of God for each other more clearly. We start to see freedom and transformation land on people. But healthy community is the space that becomes that landing pad for that to land. And then we offer up that worship, and then he brings the revelation, and it keeps going round and round and increasing and increasing and increasing. But our part is that that place of worship where we count one another higher than ourselves, more important than ourselves. And his part is then he comes, and he gives us a greater revelation of it. Now, I've been part of this church or connected to this church for over 10 years, and the foundation of it was this thing. The foundation of it was a group of people, a small group of people that gave themselves fully to relationship with each other. It was friendship and relationship and love the Lord your God and love your neighbor first. And the result of that was actually creating this beautiful space for the supernatural to become normal. And I feel like today we all have an opportunity to pick up that baton and go, we are going to continue to live the legacy of this church out and to increase and to build and to multiply on that space. And we are going to choose to count others more important than ourselves. We are going to inconvenience ourselves for each other. We are going to do healthy community and get really, really good at being together. Should have brought my laptop today. So there's obviously a very spiritual aspect to this, but actually a lot of it's very practical. Relationships are the space where every spiritual principle that we learn actually gets played out in real, t- in real time. So this is where it happens. You can't have a principle of forgiveness unless you're willing to actually forgive somebody. You can't have the principle of honor your father and mother unless that actually looks like honoring your father and mother. And you can't have a principle of generosity without actually, or or even love one another, unless love looks like something. So some of why these spaces of healthy community become landing spaces for the Holy Spirit is just because we've actually, we've we've given him space to do something. We become mature when we're willing to work this out. And it is messy. And I I know that many of us in this, including myself, have been hurt by people, have been hurt by church, have been hurt by leaders. We cannot go through life and do relationships open-hearted without getting pummeled from time to time. That's unfortunately the truth. However, what we can do is keep bringing an open heart before the Lord keep coming into those spaces of healing and then keep choosing because it's the model that we've been given to to live out open-hearted relationships with each other. 
we can keep this as a high priority. And then, that, then it becomes not just a space of pain, but a space of growth and a space of maturity. And eventually where that leads is it becomes a space where we have this beautiful tree that is our life, where there's fruit for others to pick. So we see in the life of Jesus, he was incredibly generous with his relationships. And I'm going to look at that in three contexts. The first is he was generous to a group of close friends, generous with himself. He lived an open-hearted, authentic life with them. And one of the most beautiful pictures of this, we're sitting in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he knows that he's about to, he's about to be taken to the cross, and he's sweating blood. He is in an extreme amount of distress. And he's got his close friends there. He's got Peter, James, and John. And he's asking them to pray. And he's bringing them into his process. See, Jesus was the king of kings. But he never decided that he was, um, you know, two together to bring close friends into that space of authenticity and vulnerability. And that's what I'm inviting us into today. You, you maybe can't do this with everybody. I understand vulnerability. It, it actually comes from a Latin word that means to wound. So by vulnerability, by definition, means I am now open to being hurt. But there should be people in your life that know everything about your life, that you are bringing um, your struggles, that you are bringing your joys. Sometimes it, be, it can be incredibly vulnerable to share your successes with people. But we have to have people in our lives where we're doing authentic relationship. And the reason for this is if you, if you aren't doing that authentic relationship, you actually can't receive love. The whole beauty of the gospel is I can be fully known and fully loved by God. He can know everything about me and he fully loves me in this place. But there's a part of the manifestation of God's love that has to come through people because that's his design. He wants part of the manifestation of his love to come through our friends. But we can't, we can't allow that in if we're putting up a wall um, and, and a false self that says, I have it all together, I'm okay, I'm supposed to be this, because then the love just knocks up against that wall and it never actually penetrates to our heart. As many of you will picked up, I've been married about three months and it is actually amazing, but it's quite hard. <laughs> there are things that's quite vulnerable being in the first few months of marriage. And it's very tempting when people ask to go, this is fantastic, it's the best three months of my life. And in some ways it has been. But what's been so beautiful is I've opened up to, to friends about some of the parts of that that's difficult, some of the things that we're negotiating, some of those. I've, 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 got, I've received love into that place because most people, in fact, I think every person I've spoken to about it has said, yes, the first year of marriage is not a picnic. <laughs> and they can speak wisdom into that space. And, and I feel part of something instead of trying to struggle on my own, trying to figure it out and putting forward, I've got this to everybody. And it's vulnerable, but it's beautiful. That's where we're meant to live. That's such you feel that sense of belonging and being known. And that's what all of us are craving. That's what we all want. That's what we are designed for. That's that model of the Trinity, fully loved, fully known. And so I'm inviting you today to just step into those places with somebody. If you can feel, if you're somebody that feels that that's hard for you to be vulnerable, hard for you to share authentically, push yourself. And start with people that you trust. Start with safe people. And the second is being generous in our wider community. So Jesus had those, those three very close inner circle friends. Then he had the 12. And then he had people that he did life with, a community that um, came together for a common purpose. And his community came together for the common purpose of, of loving and following him. 
and our community at Signal comes together for the common purpose of loving and worshipping Jesus. And if you're not part of this church, you're going to have other communities that you're part of. Maybe it's your work community. Maybe it's your school community. There are wider communities that are really healthy for us to fully invest in. Not least because it exposes us to a diverse group of people. We all need to be moving, you know, hearing from people of different generations to us. It's good for us to listen to people that are younger than us and to older than us. People of different backgrounds. This community is a rich space of growth, but it's also a space where we can, we can develop other people, even as they develop us. It's a space of discipleship. And I just want to invite us today to, to be those people, be those people that disciple other people, that are willing to give away the fruit of our lives. I've been reading a book by Lisa Bevere called Godmothers, and she tells a story about how she just wanted so desperately to have a mentor when she first um, came to know the Lord, and then her, she was a young mom, and she just newly married, and she just desperately wanted a mentor, and none came. And eventually, she's sitting um, with her kids, and her husband's out preaching, and he comes back, and he says, by the way, you're speaking tomorrow morning to some of the women in the church. And she's absolutely horrified, because she doesn't feel prepared, and she doesn't feel like she has anything to give. And the Lord says to her, remember that mentor that you really wanted, be that mentor. Write the list of what you really hoped somebody would give you and give that away. We all want to be championed. We all want to be believed in. We all want spaces in other people's lives where we can grow. But we can all be that to somebody else. And it's so necessary. And then the last is generosity in our mission. So as people that love Jesus, we're actually on a mission to share that love with the world. And the simplest way to do this is by actually opening up your life to a diverse group of people. So again, when we look at the life of Jesus, we don't see him just hang out with the Pharisees or the, the religious community. He went into all the different places. He went and sat with the woman at the well who, who was a Samaritan. He went and sat with tax collectors that everybody hated. He went and found a, a very diverse group of people, and particularly he actually wasn't afraid to hang out with people that had a totally different belief system to him. And I think sometimes in church we can find that a bit of a nerve-wracking space to, to be able to fully share our lives with people that have a different belief system to ours. But we have to open up those spaces. Your life gets to be the message that you preach. You don't always need to use words. You don't always need to convince anybody or anything. We don't have to come to people with agendas, but we do have to come to them. And each of us carry a message that is a blessing to other people. So let's invite them into our homes. Let's invite them into our life. I find one of the biggest challenges is not so much to spend time with people with different belief systems, but actually to be really honest about mine. Because I think sometimes we can feel if we, if we are believers that, that people don't want to know or that they're nervous of being um, evangelized. But actually the best gift that we can give is just to live your life open. Live your life open. I've got friends who, who believe very different things, but I tell them about what I'm praying about. I speak to them about how I feel like um, you know, God is interacting with, with me in my life. And they, they've been so receptive to that. And actually, that's how they fully know me and I fully know them, is by both of us being open to how each other sees the world differently. 
but I know that I can bring light into that space and that actually some of the gifts that I receive in this community then become gifts for them that I can give away. And God really, really loves all of his children, regardless of whether or not they're in church. And I've had so many experiences where I've, I've had God speak to me about my friends that aren't believers yet and, and, and very, very specific things. I was once in the UK, um, living in the UK, and, and God said to me, you need to go back to South Africa for, I won't say a name, but for a particular friend. I thought, that's really strange, okay? And at the time, I couldn't afford the flight, and so I just said, God, then I'm going to need the provision for the flight. And the next day, I got a job um, that was more than enough to cover a flight home, so I came home, and when I got home, I found out she was walking through something really, really difficult, and the Lord gave me very specific things to pray over her, um, and as I prayed them, she was able to, to walk through some of those things, and I know that that was the heart of the Father for that woman that just wanted to release his Father's heart into her, regardless of whether or not he ever, she ever chooses him back. That was his gift, and we all get to be part of, of releasing the kingdom into our friends, and regardless of whether or not um, they believe the same thing as we do. So I think what we can do is we can, the one thing is to, to create this space, this community that is a place where people can belong. Even the disciples belonged long before they believed. It took them a really long time to be able to say, you are the Christ. But they were intrigued by, by his life and his message, and they hung out with him, and they spent time with him, and they came to that place of believing. So let's make this community a space where people feel like they can belong. And then let's go out as well and just be in, in every sphere of society bringing the kingdom and, and just really carrying that message of my life is a message, and, and I'm going to freely give it. And I just, I feel like the Lord wants to spend some time this morning just ministering into those spaces. And in our prayer before, we had quite a few words, but the, I suppose the space that I want us to focus on first is just for, for our community to just really pray into it for yourself. Like, am I willing to pick up that baton as I invited you earlier? Am I willing to be somebody who's, who's going to put others above themselves to really fight for that space of creating that landing pad through the Holy Spirit through our worship and relationships? And some of us might not be ready for that yet, and I realize some of us are visitors. But I'm just going to ask all of us to stand, and we're going to come into a time of worship and ministry now. I really feel like this is just where we need to sit for the rest of this time And I'm going to ask you just to put your hand on your heart. And if you're in this community and this is something you want to say yes to, then let's just do that together. Then just raise your hand with it as a sign of a yes. So, Father, we just, we just give you our yes to that today. And we don't know how to do it yet, Lord. We recognize that we don't know how to fully live this out. But we want to be part of that, of that perfect harmony that you live in. We want, to, we want to fully say yes to everything that you want to build in this community. God, we want to make this a space where everybody feels like they can belong and be truly known and truly loved. And just like Raj um, 
shared the word about the treasure chest and that rusty lock that just needs the power of the Holy Spirit to come and open it up. If this message sounds scary to you because you've been through a painful experience with relationships, then just continue to keep your eyes closed. But if, if that's you, then just raise your hands. Just say, as an act of, I actually want Holy Spirit to come and minister to me in this place. I don't know how to get past it. I don't know how to trust community fully again, but I'm willing to say yes to His work in my life. And if you're standing next to somebody with their hands up, why don't you just lay your hands on them and pray for them? I feel like we always say come to the front, but this is one of those times where I feel like it's actually let's in community turn around and just lay your hands on those people. If that's you, just lift your hand again so that everyone can, the people next to you can just see. And if you're close to them, you're now the prayer team. Will you just put your hands on them and just release a blessing over them? Holy Spirit does all the work, so you don't need to feel any pressure. You're just agreeing with that prayer. He will come and he will just unlock that rusty lock that he knows the way to to fully release your heart. And Father, we just ask for, for healing and restoration in every space that needs to be healed and restored, God. And we just ask that you would increase our revelation, Jesus. Increase our revelation of this generosity. prayer this morning, we just felt like the Lord really wanted to come against the feeling of isolation, that there's some of us that just feel isolated, that I've talked about this level of friendship where we can be fully loved and fully known and we can authentically share our, our um, pain and also our joy. And when I spoke about that, you just felt like, I don't know where even to start to find that I don't have those people in my life and I just feel lonely and I feel isolated. And we'd really like to pray for you as well. So if that's you, just raise your hand and we're going to come and just pray that the Lord would bring those people into your life. as well there were people here that you you've said in your heart I will never forgive so and so for something I will never forgive that thing and I just feel like there's actually a grace today to let it go somebody once said it's uh, holding unforgiveness is like like drinking poison yourself it's um there's something about releasing that forgiveness it's not about the other person it's actually for the own freedom of your own heart so if that's you, just put your hand on your heart and just say the words, I forgive. Whoever it is, forgiveness can be an act of our will sometimes more than a, than a feeling. But it's understanding that there's freedom in letting go. So if there's forgiveness that you need to release, people you need to release, there's just such a, a grace this morning to do that.